I kept a date diary. So if I was going on dates, especially if it was somebody consistent, I would go on the date, I would come home, and I would sort of do almost like a brain dump. It was so nice having these journal entries and these reviews of the dates to look back on. Girl Gang, welcome back to the Girl We Grow Now podcast. I am your host, Victoria. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode. So, this week I have my dear friend Rhea on. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you guys. So, one thing that I love about my friendship with Rhea is that we can have really deep conversations. We talk about so many different things, and it's just really so good to have a friend that you can have those kind of conversations with and literally it could be about anything but one of the things that we do talk about a lot is dating and love as Rhea says in this episode she loves love and I'm also somewhat of a lover girl even though you know I feel like in this day in dating like I've had to just adjust the way that I date to get what I'm looking for and the way that our dating culture is now. And that is something we're going to talk about. So this episode is all about dating. We talk about her boyfriend and how she met her mans. We talk about just different dating tips. We talk about green flags, red flags, how we feel about dating in our culture. Do we think it's harder than it's ever been? And just different little tips and insights that we have based on our own dating experiences. So I really hope that you can take this episode, take what you need from it, and I hope it really just helps you figure out what you are looking for in your dating journey so that you can meet the person of your dreams. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Rhea. Hello, Rhea. I'm so happy to have you on. It's about time. It is. I feel like we've been talking about this low-key kind of for a while, so I'm super excited. Yes, and it's one of our favorite topics to talk about, I feel like, so it's perfect. It is. I love love. Oh, (laughs) me too. Okay, so I want to start with an icebreaker that I ask all my Mm -hmm. guests. So what's the best life advice you've ever gotten that you still apply today? Oh my gosh, what a question. So really, is this an icebreaker? This is a tough one. I think to like, I remember my grandma saying this when I was young, but she just always told me not to force anything. Mm, I think that's she was really like, good whatever advice. it is that you're doing, like those things, I think like her premise was just things should become, there should be like first nature and it should feel natural. And not in the sense to not like pursue things, but sometimes I think when something is like overcomplicated and you can feel like the resistance, maybe it's just not meant for you. I love that. And that's really good advice. Go grandma. They always come in clutch. So I love that. I do. Okay. So, so so far in the series, because as you know, I do series now, Mm -hmm. I have talked about the importance of self-love and personal growth in relationships, Mm -hmm. setting standards and boundaries when you're dating. But yes, but I have yet to talk about manifesting and Mm -hmm. meeting your dream guy. And I know you're in a newer relationship. And from what (laughs) I know, he's your dream man. So tell us how you guys met and just any tips you would give us to help us meet our dream man. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love telling this story. So let me preface by when I met 
my boyfriend, I was not looking to date anybody. It was like the beginning of the year. I was very much in the new year, new me. Like I really just wanted to focus on myself. I wanted to focus on my career and just like being the best version of myself. And I feel like that's when everybody always says it happens is really when you're not looking. That's so, so true. Yeah. We, this might be unpopular opinion, but we met at the gym. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how some people feel about that. So we had seen each other like a few times at the gym and I, of course, was not going to come up to him and talk to him. Absolutely not. And then one day I was walking my dog outside of the gym and we were at this like intersection and I'm on one side of the intersection. He's on the other. And in my head, I'm like, okay, like this is my moment. I got to do something. I was actually going to cross to go the opposite direction. But when I saw him, I was like, well, this is the direction I'm going now. So I just like, yeah, I just like started to pretend to like tie my shoe or something. And then he had the light. So he starts walking and I'm just looking at my dog, praying that this is the time that he does something like outlandish to like get this man's attention and my dog came in so clutch and he did exactly that as my boyfriend is like walking by my dog like jumps on him and like jumps on his leg and like tangles the leash around him just like in I think it's what 101 Dalmatians that that happens it was such like a movie type of meet cute um but yeah that's how we met and then we just sort of started talking and it's been history since then, I guess. I love that because I think it was on Red Table. They had like all these different dating coaches on. And one of them was saying, you know, a lot of women say like, oh, they don't like to kind of initiate, which that's not really what you did. But he was like, if you think about the old days, back in the day, a woman would walk by a man and like drop their scarf and the man wouldn't notice that they were initiating. But the man would pick up the scarf and run after her and be like, excuse me, you dropped this. And that's how the conversation started. So I feel like that's what you did. And we can't be afraid to think like that and just do those little subtle things to give them the nudge that they need to like let them know that we're open because what I've heard is that men fear rejection so if they have an easy opening they're going to talk to you it's so true and I feel like with men exactly how you said it we sometimes have to do things in ways to make them feel like it was their idea Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know I was I had seen him from afar and I knew I was we were going to speak at some point but I just knew that he had to initiate it. So from the very beginning, did you have a feeling that, like, did you know he was going to be your man? In like a very strange way, I was having this conversation with some of my girlfriends like that day after that we met and I was telling them, I was like, I don't know what it is about this man, but in some capacity, he is going to be very impactful in my life. Whether it was, I remember having this conversation with them in my living room, we're sitting there and it was before we even had planned our first date. Maybe it was me being delusional, manifesting, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Call it what you want, but I just remember telling them in some way he's going to be really impactful. And I remember telling them too, like it really could just be one night, whether we just have like a conversation, it could be a couple months, it could be a couple years, or like this person could be my person. But I just had some sort of feeling that I was at least meant to come across him in some wow. way or another. Yeah. I like that so much. I feel like it it does really feel like great. Like you said, that moment was kind of movie-like when your dog came in clutch. I know he got lots of treats after that, but wow, I feel like it was fake. You guys are both in the right place at the right time. And then just everything kind of aligned the way it was supposed to. So I think that's really cool. Exactly. And also just to add one thing too is I think this can probably be applicable to anybody who lives, whether you're living like downtown in a city or on the outskirts, the suburb, whatever. When you go to a gym at a consistent time, I have never seen this man outside of the gym, like ever. We'd been going to the gym about a year 
and I'd only seen him in the mornings at a certain time. But where I live in my neighborhood, it's not that big of a neighborhood. So you would think I would maybe run into him at the grocery store or I don't know, just walking anywhere. But I had never seen him. So to your point, like very much right place, right time. I just think maybe we weren't meant to meet previously, but in that specific moment, it was like, it was the perfect time. Oh my gosh, that gives me chills. And I know why you met him when you met him. But I have to <laughs> say, because you guys met, was it February that you guys met? Yeah, end of February. Okay, because I went back home in January. And I remember right before I left, you told me that you were going to meet your man and that your next man that you like dated was going to be your boyfriend. And then I came back well, before I came back. But I was like, whoa, girl, I reminded you. I was like, you manifested him. You told me you were going to meet your man. (laughs) So I love that, too. So what green flags did you see in him when you guys were in the dating phase that made you know that he could be your partner? I think some of the green flags that I had, and this might be unpopular opinion, but he actually told me his like red flags on the first date. And that (laughs) to me, ironically, was a green flag because I think there's nothing more attractive than a man who at least is like honest. So in my head, I think it really made it clear like, okay, this is somebody who's done the work on himself. He can call himself out for his shortcomings. He knows areas that he can work on and things that he's good at. So I think like the transparency literally from the first date was very much like a green flag for me. Ooh, I like that. And I actually want to backtrack. I didn't ask you. So whenever, like now that you guys are dating, did he kind of tell you like when you guys first met what that moment was like for him? Has he told you? Yes, we talk about it all the time. And we always joke because that conversation that we had on that corner of that intersection, neither of us could ever tell you what that conversation was about. (laughs) We were both so nervous. And he always said when he like went to go say hello to me, he wasn't even sure I knew who he was. Because again, we had just seen each other in the gym. We've never spoken. We've sort of made eye contact here and there. But in his mind, he didn't think I knew he existed and vice versa. Like I didn't, there's so many people that go to the gym at the time that we go to. It's first thing in the morning. So everyone's sort of there, you know, headphones in, head down, trying to work out. So I really didn't think he knew me and vice versa. But to your point, like I couldn't tell you what that conversation was. And I really wish there was like a fly on the wall. I think I just remember both of us like going back and forth asking like almost 21 questions. And we were just like trying to figure out ways to keep the conversation conversation going but it was really cute (laughs) as you say it's so wholesome that was such a wholesome moment that's so cute so so wholesome okay so I have to ask you so I just want to talk about dating in general so before you met him did you have any like major dating icks like not like red flags like not things that are serious but things that like if you saw someone do it you would immediately just be turned off. Ooh, that's a good one. I think I think I didn't have any icks per se, but I think I'm trying to think, did I not have icks because I just like wasn't in the mindset of dating or did I even give people the time of day to even <laughs> be able to, for them to give me an ick? <laughs> well, that might have been the wise thing to do is not give people the time to even let you realize that you have an ick. Yeah. I have plenty. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody who's like avoidant, that definitely gives me an ick. I think especially at this like grown age, if there's any sort of a problem or something where there's like, I don't know, any sort of awkward moments that might come up, just not being able to talk about it is such an ick for me. Another one, now that I think about it, I think just like the lapse in communication. Sometimes when you're going through the dating and like the talking stage, especially, I think on like both sides, nobody 
nobody wants to feel like they're fighting to have somebody like respond to them or anything like that. And I think especially when it's over text, I'm not a good texter to begin with. So I think like if anybody is ever giving or was giving me like any sort of indication, like I'm like begging for them to respond to me, I'm just going to give up because that's a no for me. I totally get that. And this is something I talked about in a previous episode, but really when a man's interested, he's going to pursue you. Like anytime a guy has been so interested in me, I have never had to initiate one conversation because he was always initiating them with me and trying to see me. So I really believe that if we wanted to, we really don't have to initiate anything with a man who's interested. 100%. They operate with so much urgency when they know what they want and they're interested. So I totally agree. Exactly. Because they know what catch they have and that if they're too slow, someone else is going to swoop in. And I feel like- I don't know if it's the ego, like the natural competitiveness that they have. So I feel like whenever, like you said, you feel like you're begging for someone to text you, you just know they're not that interested or they're too busy talking to other people that maybe they're just more interested in. Exactly. And I feel like they really need to change their strategy because there's so many incredible women out there. And I think what they don't understand is we could all be married next week. So like, if you want to go on a date with us, you need to, you know, you need to move with some urgency. (laughs) Girl, don't we know it? But did you have any like major red flags? Like when you're dating, I don't know if you ever made any list about like red flags that you would kind of like just look out for or be aware of. You know what? I didn't make a list for any red flags. I think I was just so focused on the green flags. And maybe again, that in itself is like naive of me. But I think actually, you know what? I guess just whatever the opposite of those green flags that I have were. So you want me to talk about this list? Yeah, I'm going to say, tell us your green flags. My green flags. Okay. So my green flags, I needed, first of all, somebody who was like comfortable in their career and not necessarily from like a financial standpoint. I think when we are going through our late 20s, early 30s, we're all sort of like navigating what it's like to have like those first big girl type of job. So I just wanted a partner that was at least set and happy with at least the industry that they were in. Because I feel like sometimes if you're dating somebody who might not necessarily be where they want to be in a career, they're not able to I think, operate how they need to be in a relationship. And as they should, I think like if you are looking for a type of man, at least that is going to provide any sort of anything, I just think he should be (laughs) set in his career first. So that was my number one green flag is at least a man that is like set and happy in his career. That was like number one for me. And then two, I wanted somebody who was like very, very family oriented, but also like able to create boundaries and have like a healthy relationship with their family, their siblings, all of that. Okay. So I don't know if it's necessarily that it is like a green flag, but just more something that I would always ask whenever I was on like first date. I know the girlies always want to talk about astrology and their signs (laughs) and things like that. And I had seen, I think it was in like a TikTok or something like that, or maybe been a tweet where this woman was saying whenever she goes on date, she always finds herself asking a man what his sign is. And not necessarily because she cares what his sign is, but she just was asking to see what his reaction would be. So I know not everybody is into astrology, but I think her point and what I took from it is you want to see the reaction that people have when you express your interests. So that was something that I like would bring up on first dates. And when I would get sort of more of like a negative response, that to me was a red flag, not because I cared that they didn't care about astrology, but it's like, I'm expressing to you an interest of mine. And if your first instinct is to ridicule it, I just feel like that speaks volumes to 
maybe the type of person that they could be and how that could translate into a relationship. Yeah, I think that's a really good one, especially because most of us would want a supportive partner. So if they can't even support something so simple, it kind of makes you wonder what they're going to do when you tell them like your big interests or like the dreams that you have. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a big one for me. I wanted somebody who was just like curious and ambitious and just somebody who wasn't okay, not necessarily with like the status quo, but just somebody who was like curious and wanted to learn new things, do new things, new experiences, and it just wasn't necessarily stagnant. Yeah, that makes sense. So did you feel like when you're dating before you met your boyfriend, did you meet a lot of men who had these green flags or was it like really hard to find men that could meet these? Yeah, I think it was really hard, especially I don't know if it's the age, if it's where it is that I'm living. And you can probably attest to this too. Montreal has a very confusing, difficult type of dating scene so there's really only a few in the pond i think (laughs) we can get i don't know where all of the good ones are but i think it was also difficult to even get to a point where you could really get to know somebody and actually see if they even had these green flags because i think too especially with like online dating people can put in their bios you know statements and things that are as intentional so you click on them you know with the hopes that okay maybe this could be something we could have some sort of a connection but just i felt that it was very, very quick that you could find out what it is that these people were actually looking for, which is fine if that's what you're looking for. But I just wish people at that time, they were so much more like transparent about it. You know, I agree. There are plenty of people out there who talk about how they want a relationship in their little bio. And then as soon as you start talking to them, you quickly find out that is not what they're looking for. That is not it. They're running at the sign of, I don't know, you planning any sort of like a date or mentioning anything about long term, short term, whatever. It's just the avoidance with some of the the people that I found on those apps. It was just, it was not good work for me. Yeah, I definitely get that. And I don't feel like apps are bad, but I feel like we end up talking to a lot of people we probably never would actually talk to on apps because it's it's easier for people, as you said, to be avoidant and to be very vague and less intentional on an app versus mm-hmm. they would actually like have to come up to you in person. That's just going to take a lot more attention. And most people aren't like they'll easily swipe. Like I've heard men say their friends literally just swipe right on everybody until they match with somebody and whoever talks to them is who they go for. Like you mm-hmm. can't do that in person. I mean, you'd have to have a lot of confidence to go up and literally talk to every woman. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's also sometimes a little bit of the issue. Like or the difference, I should say, between men and women, especially at this age. I feel like women in those late 20s, early 30s, we get to a point where I feel like we're all so much more intentional with the way that we want to date. And you're actually dating somebody for like a purpose where I think these men, I know the studies show that they're just already, you know, behind a little bit in their development than women are. And I feel like (laughs) in dating, it really um, can sometimes show because I think it just maybe for some of them, it just hasn't necessarily clicked that if you are looking for a long-term partner, like you actually do have to put forth the work and you do need to start moving with a bit more integrity. And it shouldn't be scary to like have a plan for a woman that you're dating. I think it can be, of course, overwhelming sometimes if you go on a date with somebody and, you know, 10 minutes in, they're like, wow, I'm going to marry you. You're going to be the mother of my children. Love bombing is what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's like, it's hard, I think, to find this like happy medium, if you will. But I just think that is just really difficult when, it comes to the apps is finding people that are looking for what you're looking for, I think at the same like level. 
I definitely agree. And to go back to what you said about the dating pool being small in Montreal, or you don't know if it's like where you live or just like the age or whatever. But I will say, I think most women right now feel that way about wherever they live, because I feel like I hear, especially if you're on TikTok, or you have friends that live in other places, I feel like I hear literally the same gripes about dating all over even like people that I've met here in Montreal that have moved from other countries they're just like oh I just I came here I thought it would be better but I'm realizing it's not so I think it's just where we are as a generation with dating and even like even when I think about my experience from Florida to here honestly I don't I haven't dated in Florida in like over a year so I don't know maybe it's gotten better but doubt it so I feel like it's just very similar with like dating apps as you said it's hard to find people that are intentional and transparent and Mm -hmm. I honestly think it's just the generation we're in so I guess we can say it's a dating epidemic a not good one so it's rough out here and I feel like dating has changed a lot I would say like pre-covid let's say like five years ago when I was dating I even felt like the men were so different they were not I mean maybe other women had different experiences but they were not immediately trying to hook up with me after two messages or like they were not asking me to go on a walk and chat when I almost fell out when someone asked me to go on a walk and chat I'm sorry (laughs) I don't even go on coffee dates you know how I feel about that but I was like a walk and chat like what is this I was like in disbelief and these are men in their 30s I'm I I can't (laughs) yeah I know we talk about that too just sometimes the differences between how it is here in Montreal versus how it is in Florida but like the walk and coffee or the walk and a drink here in Montreal is so unbelievably common but for me I mean you know I'm not originally from Montreal so for me moving here at first I thought it was really really strange but now I mean thank god I don't have to do that anymore but (laughs) yeah it's just it's really really common here so before you found your man Mm -hmm. would you go on walk and chat dates or walk in coffee or drink dates I went like a couple and for me I think what I liked about it is I would only do it first of all if We had been talking maybe for like a week or so. And I think for me, the idea of like going to dinner and sitting down with somebody, that to me is so intimate because when I do that with like my friends, my family, like it is so enjoyable. So if I'm going out with you and we're sitting down and we're having a meal and, you know, the vibes are not there, it feels like I'm just talking to like a wall. So I think in my head when I was doing the walk and chat dates or like a coffee date, I think I just wanted to see like, could I even go to dinner with you? Do I even want to go to dinner with you? Do I want to sit there? Can we actually have a conversation? And I think for me, it was more like, okay, I can easily escape this if this is a horrible experience. You know, like we can wrap it up really, really quickly because, you know, firsthand too in Montreal, like these kitchens aren't always the fastest. So if I'm (laughs) on this date and I'm stuck here and we're waiting for these mains and it's an hour, like I just, I think I just got so selective with my time that I didn't even want to entertain the possibility of like a dinner date or even going out for drinks drinks with somebody who I just knew I couldn't even have like a 10 or 15 minute conversation with. I totally get that. You know, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum with how I feel about those. But like, I get that because I remember this lady, I think she was in her late 30s and she was talking about how she met her husband, I think on Bumble. And she Mm -hmm. said that she would just like schedule really quick coffee dates. So she would just like, I think they're maybe 45 minutes or less. And she would just go and meet people as like a meetup, not necessarily a date. So I get that. But I definitely feel like whatever approach works for people. But for the girlies like me who are just like, no, not doing it. So one, I like make 
sure I try to have at least one phone conversation before. Like I know it's not the same, but I feel like if you can hold a phone conversation, there's a good chance you probably can hold an in-person conversation versus like text and messaging. You really have no idea. Like they could be using chat GPT for all we know. So I like to at least have a phone call, but also I'm not going to immediately count someone out if they... I mean, I thought about it, but I've decided that I'm not going to immediately count someone out if they ask me on a walk-in chat or a coffee date. I'm just going to politely suggest something else. I'll just let them know like that's not really my thing, but like if they really want to take me out and want to take me to dinner or whatever, I would be down to go. So I think that really comes back to being able to voice what you want. And if someone's interested, he's going to take you. If he's not, he won't. And then you can move along because you guys probably don't like the same things if he's not willing to even do what you're interested in when you tell him that the other things aren't really things that you would do. So yeah, that's such a good point. And I think sometimes too, when you're in either this like talking stage or you're just starting to get to know somebody, I think sometimes it can get like really difficult sometimes to ask for these things, but you're right. Like you actually want to know if you guys have anything in common and it really needs to be from a place of, do you like that person rather than I want this person to like me? You know, and I think about like advocating for yourself in in that sense of the type of date that you want. Like there's nothing wrong with asking for that if they're giving you something that you're just not interested in. I agree. And I know I've talked to some of my other friends about that and they're like, oh my gosh, I I hope he says yes. I mean, whether he says yes or no, I don't care. But I've let him know that, hey, like this isn't really my vibe. Of course, show appreciation. Like, hey, it's not really my vibe. But like, what about this? Or if you want to take me to dinner, I'll do that. And I've never so far, I haven't had a guy say no. So I feel like a lot of times we just as women we're just really afraid to ask for what we want because that fear of losing out on that guy but I'm like you don't even really know him so do we really care if he like decides not to hit me back up exactly I think that's a really good point and in that sense it's really not a loss like it's just redirection I think in in that case to me it saved time I'm like hey if you felt like I was asking too much then you really don't want to date me because you're really gonna think I'm asking for way too much (laughs) (laughs) like that's too much yeah exactly that's a good point so yes I know you told some green flags and you didn't really think as much about red flags but after the dating that I've been doing I think I have some we need to talk about and I just want to get like your take on some of these if you feel like you know you encountered any of these or anything so my first red flag is inconsistency I'm sure probably most of us have encountered that at some point but If you are not consistently, not saying you need to text me all day, every day, but it's kind of when someone like calls you like on a Monday and then you don't hear from them for a week and they're just like, oh, hey, do you want to go out on Saturday? I mean, who are you? I almost forgot who you were. Like, why are you like, you know, it's kind of just like a random like, hey, you know, it's just weird for me. Totally. You know that one TikTok sound where it's like, I did it. I ended it with my wife. And she's like, what? Who is this? (laughs) No, I haven't seen it. Oh, I'll just send it to you. It's so funny. But I feel like especially here, but I did hear. So one thing about dating in Montreal that I did hear, you can let me know what you think, but apparently the summer is like more for fun, non-serious dating. And then it's like right before cuffing season. So maybe October, I guess, or maybe September, maybe now. That's when people start to really get a little bit more intentional with their dating. So I don't know if that's what it is, but I've seen a good amount of inconsistency here. And you come back and I'm not interested. I think that 100% is in Montreal. Summers in Montreal, I think, are crazy with all the terraces and there's just so much going on. Festivals. There's just so much going on here every, not even every single weekend, literally every single day. There's always something happening. So I think that's definitely accurate. I think dating for some people is just at the back of their minds. But I have spoken to some of my girlfriends that are on the apps and they've even started to say they can feel the shift 
a little bit more now with people oh. trying to get a bit more serious. So maybe I've decided to take a break at the wrong time. Mm. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I know, but that is one thing that is really different from dating in Florida, a place that is literally hot year round. Like cold is not that cold. It's like you don't have mm. to have a big coat. But I like I've always heard of cuffing season, but I've never don't I don't feel like I ever really had to experience it because it's just very different when you live in a place where it snows and in the winters people just really are inside. That's something I haven't experienced. So I think that's something that's really different about being here. Because for me, summer and winter, they're basically the same. Summer's just unbearably hot. That's the difference. Yeah. That's a really good observation because here, I mean, it's all of course I know because I've only lived in Canada and I haven't spent any time like that, at least in the US. But I feel like the cuffing season is just so prominent here. No matter where it is that you are in Canada, maybe not so much out West because for them, I think their winters are like maybe, I don't know, 14, 15 degrees. So it's bearable. I don't know what that is for you guys. I can't even tell you, but it sounds like maybe you don't have to have a, what is it, negative 30 degree coat that you have to have here? (laughs) Yeah, more like the fall type of temperatures. Okay, okay. So that's like 60s, probably 50s maybe. Yeah. My guess. We might be wrong. It's okay. (laughs) No, probably around there. But no, cuffing season is definitely prominent. I think it's just very much, it's cute sometimes to be cuffed up with your boo in the winter when it's minus 40 and you're not going anywhere. You get snowed in. It definitely creates snowed some... Snowed in. Yeah. So I didn't have that experience last winter. I'm like, snowed in? Remember on New Year's, it was just like, we didn't have to have a jacket. So. No, it was really warm and it was so slushy, I think, from what I remember. I remember being slushy. really wet and then it rained the next day. Yeah, that was a really... That was a one-off, winter. I think, for New Year's. But there's been winters that I've been through where we get these snowstorms where it's like 40 to 50 centimeters of snow and the whole city in a way kind of shuts down. You can't go anywhere because they don't have the plows out. So whoever it is that you're with, you're kind of stuck with them. Oh my gosh. I feel like literally that should have warmed you guys up for COVID because I, well, you guys were locked down. So I can only imagine that, you know, it would have been nice to have that COVID cuffing year or whatever it was (laughs) yeah 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 definitely there's a netflix documentary i don't know if you saw it but there's this girl there's this girl and this guy they went they met online i can't remember if it was hinge or if it was bumble i think it was called or even tinder it was like the longest tinder date ever and they met and they decided super spontaneously to go on a trip and then covid hit and then they got stuck where it is that they were i think they were stuck for something like three months did they fall in love or did they hate each other? No, I didn't watch it, but I really, really should. <laughs> but that was the whole premise. And it's like a real documentary. They took, I think they were in the news. Like it was huge. They're from somewhere in the States. Three months they were stuck because of COVID. And you know, there was that point in COVID where nobody really knew exactly what was happening with flights. Some people weren't mm-hmm. taking it seriously. So I think they thought, eh, whatever, like we'll be fine. And they were not. They found that. out quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is a fast track way to know if you want to basically marry somebody because they were mm-hmm. just stuck together. Because, mm-hmm. wow, mm-hmm. that is wild. I don't suggest that. <laughs> but actually, one of my friends, she met her husband during COVID. So California was way more locked down than Florida was. So mm-hmm. I think it was that same concept. Like you couldn't really go to restaurants. So you kind of had to like, that was when a walk and chat, like I would have accepted because that's yeah. really all you had. Or like, yeah. I guess, lunch at the park or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. she ended up meeting her husband during COVID. So I mean, yeah, some so good cute. love stories happened during we that time. We love a COVID couple. <laughs> yes, they already have like a child together, cute daughter, and they're married. So I mean, it's pretty quick. 
Oh, yeah. my so okay, good. so my other, my next red flag, oh, I experienced this recently. So yeah, it's very fresh, but toxic masculinity. And I know people talk about that, but I'm talking about when literally the man just really thinks men are so superior to women. That's an ick slash red flag that like it brings out all of my masculine energy because I'm gonna tell you about yourself. I had a guy talk about this on a date. He was just going on about how women can't drive, men are way better drivers, which it's like, okay. Ew. And just all this crazy stuff. And basically his point of view is like a woman to like be having babies and like in the house like doing stuff around the house and I was just like okay so what monthly stipend are you giving her for her to be taking care of the house and the kid if she's not working and he's like oh I didn't say she didn't need to work I was like wait what so you want her to work take care of the house and the kids and like what are you gonna do yeah what do you bring to the table yeah besides a headache right (laughs) and so that's why I feel like I have experienced that more often the last few years than I ever have and I feel like that's another shift that I've seen in dating in our generation with some of these thought processes because I'm like if you're gonna say you want an old school women those women didn't work when they stayed at home and did all that that's what they that was their job like they didn't work and have a second job doing everything at the house so it's just it's really challenging because I think there are I don't want to say all men obviously don't think that way but there are more men than I would have thought that actually think that way and it's kind of scary that is really really scary and I think it, I don't know if it's like media driven but I think about women and when we go when we open in our TikToks, our Instagrams, whatever our social media is, I think there is like an abundance of women there making like healing content and relationship content, therapy content. There's a lot of those things out there that are like catered towards women. So it's kind of sad that I think in a way men don't necessarily maybe have that. But I think if they maybe had somebody that they could relate to in that sense. Because I think where I'm going with this is I feel like a lot of the men, like role models that they see when it talks about relationships, the ones that usually go viral are the ones that are more like negative. Like you get the Andrew Tates of the world and like there's nobody out there, at least that I've seen or come across as a man that is popular enough that I think like these men are like gravitating towards them and looking at them and sort sort of like shifting their mindset based off that. I totally agree. Apparently before Kevin Samuels became viral for his advice that he would give like towards women apparently he started with men but like it wasn't getting him the views he wanted because the men just don't listen so i think that is why things are more geared towards women because we're more likely to like listen as we saw women were calling into his show i personally could not understand why they were calling but that gave him the success that he was looking for and apparently like if you go back and you look at his older videos like he was talking the same way to men but like men just didn't care and he wasn't getting you know it's more outrageous when you talk like that to a woman and it's gonna go viral so so yeah i think that's part of why people cater towards women because there's there's a bigger market and a bigger demand for it i don't know that they feel like men would actually listen or or they wouldn't care enough to tune in i guess it's always the groups of people that need it or that are the ones that don't want to tune in i agree so i know we talked a little bit about just like the shift in dating at least I definitely feel like there is. I don't know. I feel like dating is so different now. Are there any tips that you could give us that you used when you were in your dating phase? Yes. Okay. So when I was in my dating phase, there were two things and they kind of go in tandem with each other. So the first one that I did is I kept a date diary. So if I was going on dates, especially if it was somebody consistent, I would go on the date, 
grade, I would come home and I would sort of do almost like a brain dump, if you will, or like a review. Think of it as like a Google review <laughs> of the date. And I would sort of just jot down like the things that we talked about, I guess, whatever green red flags that sort of happened throughout the date. And that's really what it was. And my thought process behind that is this is I think sometimes we can get lost in a person and sort of start to like romanticize them or romanticize the situation. But it was so nice having these journal entries and these reviews of the dates to look back on. So I felt like sometimes if I was getting to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm not really sure if this is working or how it is that I feel about this person. And you can literally go back to day one of your relationship or your situationship, your talking stage, whatever. And you can see the progression. And in this case, like there's no second guessing it. There's no convincing yourself. You told yourself in that moment how it is that you felt. So that was something that was huge for me. I love this. I think this is like such a great idea, especially like you said, we do tend to romanticize the person. And I know for me, like I have dated men who have just wooed me so much in the beginning, whether it's like just these amazing dates and you can get so lost in the dates that when you have those moments of like, okay, when you're actually writing down, what did we talk about on the date? Like, was I just obsessed with the restaurant we went to and the vibe that he was presenting? But like, what did we talk about? What did we vibe on? How did he, honestly, I think when you're at restaurants, like it's good to know, like how did he treat the wait staff and just exactly. things like that? So do you have any prompts that you would use like when you were journaling about your dates? I would sort of just like, sometimes it depended. The only thing like, I'm trying to think, were there any specific prompts? Or was it literally just like a diary entry? Like I went on a date with X. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It was more diary. And I think it was more just about like the feeling that I got and just wanting to get that out on paper. So not necessarily any prompts, but I literally would, I would write about it like from the moment I think that like the day started. So not even necessarily the date. Let's say if we had made a plan for the date to be I don't know, at 7 p.m. and we made this date like a couple days prior or, or whatever, I feel like in my head, the review at least would start the morning of the date. You know, are you oh. communicating with me? Have you like confirmed the details of the date? Have you told me where we're going? What is the plan? Are you picking me up? I'm, I'm finding my way there. Like all of those were also a part of that sort of review type of journal entry. I so love it really that. was more, yeah, it really honestly, looking back at it, it was just so much more of just a brain dump and just kind of the day of everything sort of was on paper. So I have a question for you. So if a guy say like a few days before, he's like, hey, say it's Wednesday. He's like, I want to take you out on Saturday. And you're like, okay, cool. I would love to go. Just let me know like the details. And he lets you know the details Saturday afternoon. What are your thoughts on that? Like, do you care? Or no. are you kind of just like... I'm not. He, so he, like they approach you on the Wednesday saying, let's go on a date on Saturday. And then radio silence between Wednesday and Saturday. Yes. I am not going. I could be married between <laughs> Wednesday and Saturday. Like, absolutely not. There's no way. Because I think sometimes it's different and you can get away with that maybe if you've been on like a couple dates and you sort of know that that is like the communication style. But I think if it's initial date, there should be some more communication, even if it's like the day before. Not to say that we need to be having solid, long, consistent conversations between Wednesday to Saturday. But if you're asking me on Wednesday, I need you to say something at least on Friday. That makes sense. Okay, so what if you guys like talk about random stuff, but then, for example, like I know you know I was going on a date with someone, and then you were like, "Oh, like what's the plan?" I was like, "Oh, you know, I don't know. He hasn't told me." So, like, what are your thoughts? And like, say you guys are chatting, but he literally just doesn't tell you the plan of the date until the day of. Like, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. Honestly, my boyfriend did this. I'll throw him <laughs> under the bus. But he did that. Actually, no. And he let me know, I think, the morning of, which it was a little bit later, I think, than I would have liked. But I think in that case, if you are chatting about it and you're still like having you know, conversation in the days leading up. I think like maybe if you can throw in something like playful, like a little sprinkle, sprinkle, like, oh, you know, I need to go get my nails done. So I know like how much I can invoice you for our date on Saturday. And then be like, oh, where are we going? <laughs> you know? That's so funny. That's so cute. That's true. And I think, I guess it depends how the conversation's going and how you view the man. But that's also something like, I know I hate that kind of stuff. But if I'm mm -hmm. interested, that's something like, okay, after the first date, if I see becoming a pattern, I would just tell him like, hey, I really just need you to give me the plans ahead of time. Because if not, I'm gonna make other plans, basically, but like, you know, in a nice way. Yeah, exactly. And again, even that, like that goes in the date diary. So like you said, down the line, no matter how much you're really into this person, you just can't let those things slide. Because that's sometimes something that I noticed before too. Previously when I was going on dates is sometimes you start to make excuses for somebody, you know, because you like them. But it's just, if this is starting to be something that's consistent where there's always either like an issue or there's a lapse in communication, like having that to look back on, is so great. I agree, especially you can also like look back on that and say, how much does this bother me? Like, is this something that's such a turnoff that if it keeps going this route that I'm not going to end up staying with him anyway? So I think those are really good things to pick up on because likely, I mean, yes, he can change. But if it's a pattern and something you told him and you look back in your date diary and he has done it literally every day after you told him, he probably is going to keep doing it. And like you yeah. have to decide, does that bother you? Do you want to be with a man who does that? So I think that's also another beautiful thing about the date diary. Yeah, I always recommend it to everybody. I think too, I told you about it. I told yeah. some of my other girlfriends and I just, I swear by it. I love it. Okay, so what's the other thing? You said you had two and they go hand yes. in hand. So, and like I said, these two go in tandem with each other. And this one can definitely be amended. The second thing is I, when I was first on the apps and I started dating again, I wanted to like implement this three date rule. And I had seen this sort of like all over TikTok, or not three date rule, sorry, the three month rule. I had seen this all over TikTok. And basically what it is, is if you're dating somebody, you sort of have three months from the time of like your first date for the person to make things official. That's what it was or my understanding of it on TikTok. But the way that I interpreted it wasn't necessarily that things needed to be official. But I think three months is a pretty good indicator if you're consistently hanging out with somebody to know if you like this person, if this is something that you actually want to like continue to pursue long term. So that's how I applied it. It was if I was going to be dating somebody, if I was going to be seeing somebody by the third month, at least for me, I would have these like check-ins almost with myself and be like, okay, am I happy? Am I good? Do I like where this is going? And if it was something that like I wanted to continue to pursue, then I would continue and sort of just like maybe continue and have that conversation with the person and being like, okay, is your head at? How are you feeling about this, etc. But then on the opposite end too, if it wasn't working, that again is where I would sort of go back to my date diaries and see like, okay, have I been romanticizing this person? Am I avoiding some of these things that I've written in here that I actually don't like? And I think having that like three months accountability, it might be short for some people, but I think 
to your point previously, you're not wasting time anymore. I think, again, just trying to be as intentional with my time and the people that I spend it with as possible. I just didn't want to continue seeing people or dating people for longer than three months if I just knew that this was not going to go anywhere. So I have another friend. I used to always go to her for all my dating advice. I just love her advice. But I say used to. I still do. She just, um, she lives far, so we just don't talk as much. But anyways, <laughs> so she told me, she's like, yeah, I would tell them like, you have a 90 day performance review. So she would kind of just like let them know, but she, it's the same thing. Like she would take the three months and then just really evaluate and be like, hey, like, do I want to be with this person? How is it going? And like you said, the check-ins. And I will say, like, I know in past relationships, I didn't really check in with myself. I was kind of just going with the other person's energy. And I was like, oh, he's really invested and he's, I have a lot of fun. So like, I'm good. And I think that's like one thing I learned, like, okay, like I, if I had really checked in with myself and if I had really been journaling, like I wonder if I even would have dated this person because I feel like there's a good chance I wouldn't have. But I was just so like wooed by all the adventures that were going on, how fun everything was that I overlooked so many things. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point, especially if you're maybe dating somebody who is super like adventurous and is always wanting to do things. Sometimes, especially if it's something that you're not used to, you can like romanticize that one quality about a person and then you realize you've overlooked a whole bunch of other things, but like the mm-hmm. consistent, it's almost like love bombing, but like in, in With quality Yeah, Yeah, with passion and quality time, I think, as like a love language. But you can spend a significant amount of time with somebody, but are you guys having good conversations? Are you connecting? Is there, you know, there's there's so much more than just being on the go. So So true. mm -hmm. And I'm glad you mentioned quality time because that is like one of my main love languages. So it's so it was so easy for me to get lost in all of that fun quality time we were having. Yeah. Because I can imagine that if we took all the adventures out, we just might not have that much to talk about. No, not at all. And like I have this conversation with some of my girlfriends too. It's I remember there was somebody that I was dating and, you know, we were seeing each other for a few months. And I think because we lived in close proximity, we were able to spend a decent amount of time together. The time aspect was there, but there was just no quality. And that was something at the mm-hmm. three months that I realized looking back at these journal entries. And that to me was just like a huge indicator because how is it that I'm spending so much time with this one person and and there's no connection. You know, we're doing things, but is there really, like, is there quality around it? It's just, mm-hmm. he didn't, there's, yeah, to your friend's point, you really do need to put in this 90 day performance right. probational oh. period. Because <laughs> exactly. I think that's a really good way to look at it. I loved that so much. So I think we kind of talked about this before, like just when we were hanging out, but because I know you mentioned that you heard about something called the rules of three. So I, I know doesn't the three months fall on that, but can you tell us more about that? So the rule of threes, at least the way that it was introduced to me, is three dates, three months, and three years. So you'll know within the first three dates, if you have a connection with this person, three months, similar to my three-month rule, if you actually, you know, should pursue a relationship with somebody. And then three years, that's when you truly know a person is after you've crossed that three-year mark. Do you agree with that? To an extent. So I don't necessarily think that it takes maybe three years to get to know a person. That one to me is like a little bit extreme. I think if you're really connecting with somebody, I think that's something that shouldn't necessarily take three years. I think like maybe a level of comfortability is definitely going to be there after three years. But to truly get to know a person, I think if you're intentional with the time that you're spending with them and you're doing things, not just the two of you, you're spending time with 
each other's maybe respective families, friend groups. If Think if you just see people or whoever it is that you're dating in different settings. I think that can also tell you a lot about them. And I think maybe that's sometimes where that three-year rule that they have can kind of get skewed because I think it's all really dependent on how it is that you go about the time that you spend with your partner. The three dates, I think that one is pretty applicable because the first date I think sometimes can be a little bit awkward if there's nerves or depending on what it is that you do. So I think three dates is like a pretty good indicator on, okay, like, is there something there? You know, is it more romantic? Is it more friendship? I think, I think that one's pretty accurate. And three months, that one, that one, even for me, I, would have no problem amending that and either making that longer or shorter in terms of do you think you want to longer (laughs) not like significantly longer but i think three months and again i think it all goes back to like the the time that you're spending with the person and Mm -hmm. if it's intentional i think for me in my case my boyfriend and i we live fairly close to each other so we had dated and we were you know seeing each other for a few months before we made it official but i think there's people who might not have that and not to say that proximity is like a key indicator or is an indicator of interest. I think like if a person wants to date you and they want to see you, they absolutely will. But I think because we live so much closer to each other than maybe your average people who are dating, especially if you're on the apps, I think we were able to progress in a matter that was also a little bit faster because we were spending as much time with each other. So I think in that case, the three months was a pretty good indicator. And I think we both knew at three months, like, let's make this official. Let's wrap it up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes so much sense. I feel like, yeah, if you're long distance or something, you don't get to spend as much time. It would make sense to make it a bit longer. Part of me wonders. So something that my cousin always told me and I also heard someone say that their therapist told this on TikTok too, but it takes up to two years to truly get to know someone just because there are the people that can hide who they are, which I totally get that. But I also do think that if you're really intuitive and you're really paying attention, I feel like you likely could find out sooner. It also just depends, like, again, on the time you spend with that person. So part of me is like, oh, three years was kind of just close to two, (laughs) in my opinion. But yeah, so like, I get where they're going. But I really do like those rules. I think it's a good place to at least hold a mark to you and like start when you are thinking about dating. And then you just adjust based on your experiences and like what you think that you need. But I do like the logic. Yeah, I think to the three years for me, I think like the best way that you can find out if you're compatible with a person, whether it's romantic or platonic, is I think you can truly figure out how a person is the moment that you live with them. (gasps) I know you and I have talked about this and we have totally different opinions on these, but I think that truly is like the best way that you can figure out and learn about your partner because I think both positive and negative you can like learn so many like cute and quirky things about your partner with living with them things that maybe they were previously embarrassed to show you and not necessarily in a bad way but I don't know if they have like I don't know like a cute little morning routine that you just never got to see because (laughs) you know they didn't do it when you know you either had your sleepovers or what have you but then on the negative side maybe things that you previously were turning a blind eye to and things that weren't necessarily a big deal I think those things can come to the surface and then it also I think the good thing about that and a positive with that is if there are some negative things that either of you see 
negative traits when it comes to living with, you know, a partner. I think the fact that you can address those fairly quickly and see how it is that each partner reacts to that. Because at the end of the day, you know, it is a compromise. So I don't know if you're somebody who's like a little bit messier and you have a partner who wants the kitchen to be clean before you go to bed. Is that something that the messy partner is willing to compromise on and make an effort to help you with that or keep a clean kitchen? I think if so, then that again is like a good indicator. I've lived with a partner before and for the most part, it was a very positive experience, but I think it is definitely something that most people should at least try if they can. So what are your thoughts on the people? I mean, I think there's studies on this. I don't know for sure, but your thoughts on the fact that people are like, oh, well, if you move in, it usually just prolongs marriage because it's like they already have everything you're basically playing house like what's kind of not what's the point but it could make a guy just lower to propose Mm -hmm. or take that full-on plunge i guess yeah and i think too like i think at the age that we're at now it's a little bit different because i think if you are looking to move in with a partner i would assume there's at least those conversations that this is something maybe a bit more long-term at least for me and i think i told you that before like i knew the next person that i dated it was going to be like very very serious So I think it really just depends on conversations that you've had with your partner before in the past, but I don't necessarily personally think that there's anything wrong with giving like that sort of treatment prior to you being married. But I think, again, it has to be reciprocated. So if you're expecting me as your wife to do X, Y, and Z, well, I too am going to have my expectations of you as a partner. And, you know, it is a partnership. So we're both going to be doing, you know, housely duties and like just, I think, making sure that both of us are like operating as ourselves at 100%, you know? That makes sense. So that's basically a conversation you would have before you guys even start to look at apartments. Like what the expectations are of you two living together and what that would look like. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes something that a lot of couples kind of bypass is you do sort of have to have those difficult conversations on like, let's actually look at what the day-to-day of us living together is going to look like. Are you expecting me to cook dinner? Do you want to cook dinner? What are our finances look like? What's your opinion on, you know, splitting rent or mortgage, groceries, all of those things. It can be really uncomfortable, I think, sometimes to have that shift, but I think it's so important. And I think sometimes people just get like so excited with the possibility of moving in with their partner that those types of things don't come up prior to moving. And then it happens when you've already, you know, signed a lease and you're sort of in it and then it becomes a bit of a shock. So I think just that constant communication is really just going to make sure that everything stays as like copacetic as possible. Yeah, that totally makes sense. But yes, I know we talked about it and I was like, no, I don't see myself moving in. But I also said, I think it also, you never know until you get into that relationship that maybe I'll reconsider, but I just love my space and I want it for as long as possible. Totally. And I think, <laughs> I think I that... while I'm single. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that is a good point as well is I think sometimes too, when we're thinking about like moving in with a partner, I think on both sides, it can be really easy to fall into this like, oh no, like I'm going to lose my space and I'm going to lose my individuality, the things that I like. But I think it's really important, at least for the two people in this relationship to like curate an environment where even though they are going to be together, there does need to be spaces, I think, in the house, apartment, whatever, that are individual to that person. So I think when I was younger, I used to look at the idea of a man cave and I would just think that it was like rooted in toxic masculinity. But I think the older that I get, I think I understand it. And not necessarily that they need to have a whole basement because you totally don't. But I think to have one space where they can- One corner. 
That's yeah, one little one little corner where you know the cords are showing and it's super ugly. It's not decorated nicely. Whatever they can have that little corner, but just a base where they can do their thing, you know. But on the same side, us whether it's a room, it's a corner where you just know you can go when you need your you time, just to at least be able to feel like you have a sense of like your own individuality in your own space. Because I think to a lot of us, depending on what your situation is, whether you're living alone or you're moving in with your partner after like living with your family, you're going sort of from either sharing a space as an individual, if you're by yourself, or sharing a space with your family to now sharing it with somebody that you've never done that with before. So you are going to have those moments where, you know, you clash and you sort of want to like retreat. But if you're retreating and you guys are just retreating together in the living room, then you don't necessarily, (laughs) you know, have that space. So I think finding pockets in the house where you can sort of have your safe spaces is really important. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You make it sound not so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I want to talk about the whole because I feel like it's like been a thing at least for maybe a year, maybe two about provider men. I just feel like it's all the rage on TikTok for the girlies. So I want to talk about that because I know we talked about it a little bit the other day, but I was just saying that I feel like a lot of us think that we want these provider men. And I'm not saying that we don't because we generally do, but I see a lot about the provider men like high achieving can give you the soft life where you don't have to work kind of provider man. And mm-hmm. I think I was telling you that when it comes to those kind of men, especially if they are corporate men, you have to be okay with the fact that they're going to be married to their job. So they might not spend as much time with you as you would want them to. And so I think when we see these women who have provider men and they have this soft life, we see all the glitz and glamour. Oh my gosh, they get to do whatever they want all day. They just look like they're living their life. But we really don't know like how the actual relationship is and does that person feel like they of course they are being taken care of financially but like are they being taken care of emotionally mentally like how do they feel in that relationship so I feel like we all like really like the idea but I think sometimes the reality depending on the kind of provider man just might not be what we're thinking it will be because they don't tell us all of that on TikTok obviously you know they just show us the good parts Totally. And even when we were having this conversation, we were on a hike the other day, my mind was truly blown because I had never really looked at it from that perspective. Because you're right, you just see the way that is portrayed on social media and living the soft life. But I think I was thinking about it afterwards. And I think it really just goes back to one, you really have to be okay with it. And two, I think that only is really going to work if you have specific love languages. Like if mm-hmm. quality time is at the bottom of your list, then maybe that is, you know, the perfect arrangement for you. But you made a really good point that if you do want to provide a man, but your love language is quality time, you have to look at that and either be okay okay with it or you know there's gonna have to be sacrifice i think in some capacity you know i agree and it's interesting though i had this conversation with another friend of mine because i was telling her and i was asking like what, what was her opinion on it and she said from her thought perspective that regardless if this person has a job that takes them away from their family their homes what have you they'll always find a way to still be able to spend time with their partner. So even if they are a corporate man, you know, if you truly love your partner enough and you like your partner, because I think that is one thing sometimes that gets slept on is you can love a person 
every fiber of your being. But if you don't like this person, sometimes you're not necessarily going to do what's necessary to spend time with them. So that's at least what her thought perspective was, is no matter what, you can be a provider man, you can be busy, but if you truly like and you truly love your partner, you will find a way to fly them out to be with you. Or, you know, even if you have one hour or so, you'll do whatever it is you can to maybe jump back home and spend that time with them. I agree. And I hear that. But I think it has to be enough for the partner because I think he can do that in his mind. He's like, well, I'm doing everything I can with mm-hmm. while working because a lot of men like that, they really do just want to give their family the best life. And I think it comes from a really good place. But, you True. know, if he's doing that and for her, in her mind, like it just you guys have to be on the same page. Like she has to be understanding to the fact that when he does stuff like that, he's doing the best he can given like what he he's able to provide for the family. So I think it also has to be enough for the partner. Exactly. I mean, personally, I don't know if I could do it. I think in theory, it's really great, but quality time is just too high on my list of love languages that you're either going to bring me with you or, (laughs) you know, like... We're gonna yeah. we're gonna find something that will work. I hear that. Like quality time is huge on my list. And I do want a provider man, but I do think there are different kinds of provider men. Like there are the ones who really are married to their work, but there are ones who they may not make enough so that you don't have to work, but they make enough to provide in the way that like maybe they do pay all the bills, but like you still work so that you can be the one who like your money goes into the savings account or whatever. So it's more of like you guys are both building together versus just having that one like breadwinner. But I think there are men who can provide and still be available because maybe they just don't have the job that takes them away as much. But I think it's just you might not have that glamorous soft life that like, you know, we all see and kind of are like, oh, I wish. But maybe it just means you can have a job that you truly enjoy because you don't necessarily have to worry about making X amount of money. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's just different levels to it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And to your point, even more when it comes to providing from a financial standpoint, I think my take on it is I think things should maybe be looked at from just all relative to income. So yeah, if you do have a partner who is making more money than you and you guys are, you know, looking at the cost of rent or mortgage, I don't necessarily, and I think this can be controversial for some, if you're okay with having a 50-50 partner, then that's great. But then I think everything really should just kind of be based on salary. So yeah, to your point, if you are provider man and you're making more money than I am when it comes to our bills, you should maybe be covering in areas that I necessarily can't and then I can provide in other ways. So I think at the end of the day, it's all just like a partnership and you figure out what works for, you know, you two as, as a unit. I totally agree. So I also want to talk about your thoughts on, <laughs> I don't know why this makes you laugh, but you're just your thoughts on building a roster because that's also another very popular thing we see. It's so funny because I have friends, they're just like, no, I can't. I'm just not built that way. And I personally think probably like all women are not really built that way, but we've decided that we're going to become that way just because of the way that dating is now. But just what are your thoughts on building a roster? Would you suggest it for the girlies? And if so, what are the tips on how to build one? Well, I've got a pretty severe ADHD. So for (laughs) me personally, I could just not handle a roster. There's just, there's, I just, I couldn't. But I know you gave me really good advice once saying that 
Sometimes it, yes, the queen, the queen of dating advice. No, but you gave me really, really good advice saying that, you know, it isn't necessarily a bad thing to have maybe like three to four people on your roster, because I think in that sense too, like it allows you to one, maybe not romanticize one person, put all of your eggs in one basket. But I think you can start to see and figure out the things that you do like about a person, things that you don't like. So I think if you're in your beginning stages of dating, whether it's on the apps or you're just getting out there in person, I think maybe having a roster at that point might be a good idea, especially if you are trying to figure out what it is that you like and don't like. I think a roster is a good idea. But I think once you have gone through that and you have an idea, I think of what your dream or perfect partner is, I think at that point, again, you can be a bit more selective with your time. And personally, I'm just a one at a time type of girl. I totally get that. And you're right. I generally do (laughs) suggest a roster to my (laughs) friends. I guess for me, it's just a lot of times I've been here. I've seen my friends do it. Like we put all of our eggs in this one guy and he Mm -hmm. has made zero commitment to us. Like, yes, he is taking us out. He's showing interest. But then say we get to the point where we're like, oh, my gosh, I really like this guy. And say we start a conversation and he's kind of just like, oh, I'm dating other people. You're not. And I've just been on the other end of that. And I don't know, but it is just so humbling. And it's just like, why am I giving this man all of my time being committed when we're not exclusive? Like, what am I doing? So for me, it's more about just keeping my options open because I don't, I've said this before, I don't like to waste my time. And that's like a big thing of why I like to keep my options open. And then also it's like, you might think you really like this guy, but what if you meet someone else and then you're like, wow, he actually kind of like you said, like you'll learn that there are things that maybe that guy's doing that you're like, wow, like maybe I really need this in a relationship. So I think why be exclusive before anyone's giving you a commitment? Like keep your options open until someone gives you a reason to be exclusive. Totally. And that's a really good point. I think too, until you have that conversation about exclusivity, then yeah, do it. But I just. It is hard. I will say that. It is exhausting. But I think you, if you pick the right. If you customize your roster, <laughs> you fit your capacity, it's not too bad. Because I know, so the reason why I feel this way, I, so my grandma, I think it was in Essence Magazine, like this is back like a long time ago. I was probably early 20s. She gave me this magazine. She's like, you need to read this part of it right here. And basically someone wrote an article about how you should date three people at once all the time basically like you should always be dating three people at once like if you are not in a committed relationship and it was so funny because one my grandma gave it to me she's like this is good advice like you need to read this and so right I know so right when she did that (laughs) I was like you know what she's right and I think that's when I the first time I ever got on dating apps it was so this was a while ago like when they were like kind of new because I wasn't on them when they were like new new but maybe a few years after so I was like okay I'm gonna do that I kid you not I did it and I was so exhausted but I think it's because I don't know I think I was talking to men who were like too zealous like they were all trying to take me out like all the time so that's Mm -hmm. exhausting but I think just kind of setting those boundaries being like oh yeah I want to see you but like you know work my schedule whatever just really busy so like kind of like balancing it but yeah if you try to go on every day that each guy asks you on and like talk to them all the time it'll be exhausting but you kind of have to like balance it out but anyway that's kind of like why I was like I've all from then I've always been like yes roster it is 
No, that's a really, really good point. And I think at least when I think about my approach to it is I think I had sort of gone through maybe like my roster phase. And I don't know if I talked about it here yet, if we covered it, but I also made like a dream partner list. No, you haven't talked about it. No. Okay. Well, I can talk about it now. But that's why I think earlier when I, you know, had said before meeting my boyfriend, I was very much on like my own journey where I really wasn't looking for anybody. And even though I wasn't looking, I, at that point had made this like dream partner list. And I had actually gotten this idea. I saw a video of Viola Davis. I can't remember what interview it is that she did this, but when she met her current husband, she, or sorry, prior to meeting her current husband, she made this perfect partner list where she got unbelievably specific about all of the things that she wanted. And I think like one of the things on her list, she wanted a previously divorced man. She wanted a man that I think had his own children. She got so, so specific with this. And for me, when I made this list, it was really important that, of course, I made this list at a time where I wasn't seeing anybody because you also don't want to draw from maybe things that you like about a certain individual and put this on your list. So I wanted to be, you know, as clear headed as possible when I was making this list. So I think at the time when I was on dating apps, like if people weren't making this sort of, or even in person, if people weren't meeting any of these criterias, like I was so quick to, to cancel them out. So when it came time that I met my boyfriend, you know, we were going on these dates and we were chatting. And even I think in our first few conversations, he had, you know, checked off some of like the more lighthearted, I guess, requirements, if you will. And I think that even like kept myself accountable for being very selective with my time and not entertaining anybody who didn't necessarily meet those requirements. I love that. I Before I met my ex, I definitely made a list. And I have so many friends who have made lists. Like the friend I told you who met her husband in COVID, she made a list. And I want to say, she said he checked off every box. And I know just talking to my cousin, because we talked a lot about manifesting. And she even said like she has been married more than once. And she said, so she manifested her first marriage, but she was not specific. She just was just like, I want to get married X date, like this year, whatever. And she got married, but she was like, see, that's the mistake I made. Like you have to be very specific and like Mm -hmm. intentional kind of when you make those manifestations or those lists. So like from there, I think she became specific. And I hear so many stories about women making these specific lists and then like meeting that person. So I do think I love that you made your dream man list. And I do think they really work. And also, like you said, it helps you not waste your time. Because that's another thing I would say about a roster. Don't have anyone on it who is not meeting what you're looking for or who's not adding value. Like, don't just have someone on there just to have someone on there. Because, yeah, that would be you wasting your time. Yeah. And I think, too, for a lot of us, like, when you have created those lists, you you just know what you want. And I think at this point, you know, we get to these points where we're very like whole as ourselves and anybody who is coming in really does need to be addition. So mm-hmm. yeah, you don't want to have anybody on your roster who is wasting your time playing any sort of games, unless that is the period in your life that you're in where you just want to have fun and you're not necessarily looking for anything serious, then go for it. A hundred people on your roster, you know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
yeah, my ADHD just would not allow. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally get that. I remember. So when I, so my list that I made, I had like needs on there, but then I separated out my wants versus needs. So I was really clear on like what I knew I needed in a relationship. And then like my wants are like, I think I call them nice to have. So then I had the things that were like nice Mm -hmm. to have. So it's like, okay, I need this. And like, these would be nice to have, but it's not necessarily like, I'm not going to count him out. Like if he doesn't have any rhythm, like we're we're still going to date him. But like, it would be nice if he did because I like to dance and have fun. But, you know, as long as he can still have fun and dance offbeat, like I'm fine with that. Yeah. Just like simple things like that that aren't like big deals. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way to look at it with the nice to haves because I think there are there is this like misconception sometimes that like when you are looking for your person that they need to either necessarily check off every single list or that they can't come not to say with flaws, but I think like a lot of things sometimes are also teachable. So they may not necessarily know these things right off the bat and come with those things. But if you can have these conversations with your partner and express those things that you would like for them to do or, you know, give them a healthy push for those must-haves that you want. Yeah. Like there's so many things I think that are teachable. I agree. That's something when my cousin came on that she talked about. You really do have to teach your person how to be with you, especially if they've been with other people. You have to think like when you've been with other relationships or even if you've been single for a long time, like when it comes to being with someone new, like there are certain things that maybe they were not the kind of person who would get their past partner roses all the time, but you express that you like them. Now you're teaching him like, hey, like this is what I like. Like this makes me feel good and it means a lot to me. And if you did this, like, you know, make me really happy. So of course, like we want to make our partners happy. And it's something so simple as getting you flowers. Like he's going to do it. So like you said, it's like you kind of teach him to do the things that you like and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I have one last question I want to ask. Your thoughts on, I like randomly thought about this today. So I was like, let me ask. Because I had this conversation with one of my other friends. And so what are your thoughts on, say like you meet a guy, there's not really any spark, but he just seems really nice. And as we've already established, dating is rough. And so many of us feel that way. Like it's hard to meet someone who can do the bare minimum like I hate to say it but it's kind of like where we are and so like what if you meet someone who's really nice they treat you well but like you just don't have that spark would you try to really give it a chance or if you don't have that spark would you just be like hey like I don't have that spark so like I'm not gonna waste anyone's time like what are your thoughts like I think at this point in life I think I would have to cut the cord you know (laughs) and I know it can be so painful and uncomfortable because of course you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but I think like my grandma always said you know don't force it you know if it's not there (laughs) if it's not there initially and not to say because sometimes I think there is a lot to be said about sort of like growing into either like growing into love or like growing into developing feelings for for somebody But I think if it's initial off the bat and you're just feeling that something is maybe more a little bit like friendship based or just you guys are not connecting or or clicking in the way that you want, (laughs) then, you know, it is more than okay to end it. And I think you're also doing, you know, a very good service to the person on the receiving end. Because I think that can be really painful too if on the receiving end, or even if it's you, like you're going on these dates with somebody and you're really, really into it and you find out afterwards that they're not. And it can be really, really confusing. So I think sometimes it is better just to rip off the band-aid and, you know, of course do it in a nice way and don't devastate them. (laughs) Why do you ask, Victoria? (laughs) 
Is this specific? <laughs> Don't make me fall over. No, but, well, I mean, it's just something my friend and I were just discussing. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because it really is something my friend and I discussed because we've both been in these situations. And so I just have a couple of thoughts. So sometimes I am a very much like, I'm a what if person. I'm just like, what if I'm both ways? What if you give this person because you think, oh, like, you know, I've had all these different experiences that are amazing. So let me give this person a chance. So I'm like, in my mind, I like to play out both negative and positive. I'm like the negative side. What if you give him a chance? And then he has the audacity to act up. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't even really like you in the beginning. I gave you a chance and look like, look at you acting up. So like that crosses my mind. But on the other side, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what if this is the man that like, you know, I've been manifesting and praying for and I am just being like, no, like he's just not really my type. And so I just, yeah. So I feel like I have both thoughts. So yeah, I think that sometimes I get in my own way and I just like overthink on certain things, but I'm just like, okay, like I always say I want a nice guy, a guy who treats me well, like a meet one, but then I'm just like, mm, not really my type. So no. Yeah. I think sometimes too, we can just get the ick, I think as women very easily. So I get it I so think easily. Like, so easily. So I think the more that we are at least like in tune with ourselves and those things that we do think are red flags and the things that we see as icks, maybe at least it can be avoided a little bit earlier perhaps, but I totally, totally know what you mean. I will say my friend, so we talked about it. I don't want, she wasn't really forcing it with um, the guy that she was talking about, but she would go out with him, but she just was eventually like, you know what? Like I, I can't, like he's so nice and really great, but he's just missing like whatever it is that she needed and I think at the end of the day it can be one of those things yeah you probably could grow into something but like he's always going to be missing that thing if you just feel like that lack the whole time it's like what's the point like you said it's like going to be hurtful for the person on the receiving end and like at the end of the day are you gonna always be wondering could I have found someone who like wasn't missing what I actually was looking for and so it's so funny that we're talking about this because my mom and I were having the same conversation earlier today and she used such a great metaphor and she looked at it in terms of when you're going to buy a pair of shoes you go through the aisles you don't necessarily know what type of shoes you're looking for you just know that you want a new pair of shoes you try one on and you know it doesn't like fit the greatest. There's something off about it. You don't force your feet in the shoe. You keep going and you keep looking for a shoe that fits and then you end up finding the perfect pair of shoes and then this is going to be your shoe for a while. It could be your forever shoe, could be a timeless piece or it could be a couple months, but I just thought that was a really, really great metaphor when it comes to dating is sometimes, you know, the shoe really isn't always going to fit, but it's not to say that you have to give up on shoes completely. You just need to go find a different pair of shoes, maybe boots. Ooh, I love that metaphor. That's so true. And I think truly that has been the place that I'm in because I think it all comes back to like, don't settle for the shoe that doesn't really fit. Like just keep going because I talked about this in a previous episode for the series, but they're really, I feel like we have been taught that when you're in your thirties, you have to hurry. We have this ticking time clock, but that's just not true. I've met women who have met their partner in their later 30s and their 40s, whatever it was. But what I do know that's consistent about their stories is they're just really happy that they waited and they didn't settle because yeah. they would have been in an entirely different situation. And they were just patient and content with what they had and kind of just lived their life until they did meet the right person. So I love that. 
Yeah, me too. All right, girlfriend. Well, thank you for coming on. I love this conversation. I feel like, again, mm-hmm. we talk about this stuff all the time. We could probably talk about it mm-hmm. all day, but I'm not going to do that to you. We'll talk about <laughs> it again on our hike on Wednesday or Thursday. Sorry. We totally <laughs> will. We're going to talk about it again soon, but I'm so happy that you're able to come on so that we can share it with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So our fun. real life conversations, but we just recorded it this time. Yes, love that for us. Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode. If you really loved the episode and you felt like it resonated with you, be sure to share the love and share the episode with a friend. Also, if you could take a minute and head to the review section wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a review, letting me know what you're loving about these episodes and which topics you want to hear next. That way, I can make sure that I continue creating episodes that you love. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next week, bye, Grown Girl Gang.